Well, good evening, everyone. It's so good to be here. So good to see you all in the room and all of you at home. Uh, we're going to read together um, Romans 8, 28 to 30. If you're looking on your phone or tablet at home, we're actually in the NLT, New Living Translation, this evening, so do pop that in. So Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. I'm just going to read to you again verses 29 to 30. And I want you to listen out for the word them. What word are you listening out for? Very good. You are listening. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son Jesus so that his son Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. How many times? Seven? Yeah, good. So seven times in two verses, the word them comes up. That's quite a high proportion, isn't it? So who is Paul, the writer of this letter? Who's he talking about? Who's them? Us, exactly. He's talking about us. And I believe that the word of God, the Bible, is relevant to us today. That God is speaking to us personally here today in Parson Screen on the 16th of May, 2021. And so what I've done, I might get told off by the vicar afterwards, but is I've slightly changed some of the words of these verses. And I've just taken out the word them and I've put us in. And I'd love it if we could just read together those two verses again. It's going to come up on the screen for us. So let's read these together. For God knew us in advance and he chose us to become like his son Jesus so that his son Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen us, he calls us to come to him. And having called us, he gives us right standing with himself. And having given us right standing, he gives us his glory. Wow. Thank you, Lord. As you know, this sermon series that we're in, in Romans 8, is called More Than Conquerors. Now, the word conquer doesn't just mean to win. It means to win and then inhabit, to live in that place you have won. You know, if we think of all the old conquerors in history, they wouldn't have conquered a city or a country and then done nothing with it or handed it back. They would have lived in it, enjoyed it, and grown it, perhaps. And we are called to be more than conquerors. We have a part to play. We were mentioned seven times in those two verses. 
Now, don't mishear me here. I'm, I'm not saying it's all about us. Far from it. But what I am saying is that we have a really important part to play. That's so exciting. We get to partner with the living God. I absolutely love the, this passage from Paul because it seems to almost sum up the whole story, everything that we've been talking about over this sermon series. I like to think of it like a good book. You might have been wondering why I had this taped here. This was my visual aid this morning. Uh, it's a big book. It's actually the Easter story, so it's a really good book. Um, so to be a good book, to be a good story, what kind of things do we need? Come on, work with me, guys. What kind of things do we need? Pardon? Characters, very good. A plot, good. Ah, oh, someone read my notes. Thank you, Emily. A beginning, very good. Can you tell I used to be a teacher? A middle and an end. Let's stick these on here. Jubbly. So we need to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. We also do need characters. Sam, you are so right. <laughs> we'll come on to that point in a minute. So, yeah, we need this exciting beginning. We need a gripping middle, and we need an awesome end. So we know the beginning, actually. If we think back to Genesis, back to Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, etc., etc., and us. Genesis 1, verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created them. Notice how he says that twice. He says that he created us in his image twice. I think that's because it's so important that we remember that. The psalmist also writes in Psalm 139, verse 13, that God made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. God already knew us before we were born. The color of our hair, the color of our eyes, our frames. In our passage today, Paul writes that God knew his people in advance. He chose them. He knew us in advance. He chose us. Eugene Peterson in the Message Translation says, after God made that decision of what his people should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. We're named by God. So we know the beginning, and it's such an exciting beginning. We're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. So we know the beginning, and we also know the end. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we have eternal life. We inherit God's kingdom because we are sons and daughters. Tim has been preaching about this in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Encouraging us to really know that we are adopted into sonship. That we are sla- we're not slaves or the doulos, but we're sons, heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We get to enjoy God's presence forever. I love how David puts this in Psalm 16. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. 
You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. As Paul says in our passage today, having called us, he gives us right standing with him. And having given us right standing, he gives us his glory. That's the awesome end to the story. The Lord glorifies us. He raises us to a heavenly dignity. Wow. That's a pretty awesome ending. I love the message translation of verse 30. It says, After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Paul also shares this truth with the early Christians in Philippi. In Philippians 1.6, he encourages them to be confident, sure that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. I find that so encouraging, don't you? Because of course, that wasn't just true for the early Christians in Rome and in Philippi back then. It was also, it's also true for us today. God doesn't leave his work in us incomplete or unfinished. So we know the exciting beginning. We know the awesome end. So what about this gripping middle? Well, you see, we're in the middle of the story right now. We're the characters. God is the author. So what are we called to do in our lives then? What are we called to do right now? Well, we're called to live in the present as if we are looking ahead to the final chapter. Living in the light of eternity. We're free from the guilt of sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. We know the awesome, glorious ending that we will be glorified. And we're completely secure in who we are in God, our adoption to sonship, and how he has created us in his image. And we have the privilege of being chosen to become like Jesus along the way. Tells us that in verse 29. Uh, on my final slide, if that's possible, please, guys. And why wouldn't we want to become more like Jesus? Sorry, is this really annoying? No, it's okay. Great. And why wouldn't we want to become more like Jesus? To be conformed more into the image of God. To become more like our intended shape, as the message puts it. To become a more fulfilled version of who God created us to be. I mean, what a privilege. What an honor. And most importantly... How loving is our Father who wants, us that, who wants that for us? God loves us so much that he wants us, he calls us to live out the freedom that Jesus has won for us. You know, he calls us his masterpiece, created anew through Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's Ephesians 2.10, my favorite verse. You see, he wants us to live as conquerors, every day living more in the new land, the new way, under his grace, 
imagining our future in eternity with him then in the ultimate new land. So how do we do this? How do we become more like Jesus? Well, I think verse 30 tells us, it gives us the answer. It says, and having chosen us, he calls us to come to him. We come to him. We come to God. We are transformed by coming to God. You know, I didn't used to be very good at this. And I've definitely still got room for improvement, but I am learning. All the great ways to come to God, like praying, reading my Bible, sitting quietly with God, listening to him. See, they were, to me, an extra thing to do on top of my normal life, my job, my friends, my family. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to do them. I knew they were good. But they were another thing to do. So I'd try and fit them in, and I'd try really hard, but I was trying in my own strength. And it was so difficult. You see, I'd, I'd missed the point. I'd got the order, my priorities, the wrong way around. I'd missed the simple yet life-changing invitation that it tells us about here in verse 30. God, having chosen us, calls us to come to him. God, having chosen me, calls me to come to him. God, having chosen you, calls you to come to him. To regularly and in all things come to him before anything else. That's how we become like Jesus. And that's how we're fulfilled and how we will flourish. And the rest flows from there. You see, we don't have to do it in our own strength. Looking back at verse 30, he chooses us. He calls us. He gives us right standing with himself. And he gives us his glory. We don't have to do it in our own strength, but we do have to partake. It's the both and. God will do the work in us and we have to come to him. We have to find out and get to know Jesus. Because how can we become like Jesus if we don't know him? Tom Wright, instead of a a good book, he uses a a much more eloquent idea. Um, He he talks about a five-act play. Uh, He he explains that the scriptures represent Acts 1 to 4, Um, creation, the falls, Israel, Jesus, and also the first and last five scenes of Act 5. So you got that? It's a five-act play. The scriptures represent one to four, creation, the fall, Israel, Jesus, and the first and last scenes of Act 5. And it's like today we are living somewhere in Act 5, somewhere in between the start of the church which we read about in the book of Acts 2, and the consummation of all things, which we read about in Revelation 21 to 22. Wright uses the analogy of a group of experienced actors performing a guided improvisation of Act 5, based on the script that they've been given of the first four acts and the first and last scenes of the fifth act. He argues that the more we know of God, 
the more that we've wrestled with and spent time in and understood the scriptures, the more we will be confident and able to improvise those scenes, our lives now, as the playwright, the author would want us to, with a view to getting to that final scene. I love these two short examples um, from the Old Testament of coming to the Lord. I got, kind of got stuck in the Old Testament in lockdown one, and I just was loving uh, just reading well, Exodus mostly. Um, but in Exodus 3, we see um, Moses. Um, he's out tending his father-in-law's sheep, something very normal for him to do. And uh, an angel of the Lord appears to him in flames of fire from within a bush probably know the story. Moses sees that the bush is on fire and it doesn't burn up, so he decides to go over and take a closer look and see why the bush isn't burning up. Then, verse 4 happens, when the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, God called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. I love how in that in that story, um, Jesus waits until Moses has gone over to the bush. I love that. He sees the angel, he sees the burning bush, he's just doing something normal, just doing his everyday life. And he goes over to look. And then God speaks to him and he just replies, here I am. I love that. Further on in Exodus, uh, chapter 33, verse 11, Moses had been speaking to God as you would speak to a friend, and then he returns to the camp. Yet Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I love that that Joshua stays in the tent to be with the Lord. As many of you will know, Joshua goes on to become the leader of the Israelites who then leads them into the promised land. I love how he just waits and hangs around with the Lord. He wants to be in God's presence. You know, when you love someone, or maybe you're not quite at the L stage yet, but maybe you fancy someone, you want to just be around them the whole time, don't you? You just want to be with them. You always want to just hang out with them. Well, God loves us even more than that. So much more than that. The title of this talk tonight is A Love Beyond Our Understanding. God always wants to be with us. He is jealous for our time and affection. He doesn't go anywhere. Lorsi said that earlier, needing worship. He's chosen us. He's knit us together in our mother's womb. In that same psalm, which is 139, Psalmist goes on to say, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot, I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. The Lord thinks about us so much. There are more thoughts that he has about us than grains of sand. And as we've read, he loves us so much that he justifies us, declaring us free of guilt, of sin, cleansing us, washing us clean with the blood of the Lamb, his Son, Jesus Christ. 
He glorifies us. He raises us from death to life to live in perfect communion with him forever. He loves us so much that despite all our faults and failings, he does that for each and every one of us. I mean, his love for us is completely mind-blowing, incomprehensible, beyond our understanding. But it's true, and it's a promise. God is faithful. He's unchanging, real, and right here with us in the middle of this book, in the middle of our lives. So we can always come to him, our Abba Father, So my question to us all this evening is, is there anything stopping us coming to him? As I've been praying about this talk for the past few weeks, I felt the Lord prompting me to question, maybe to humbly bring the challenge. Is there anything that is distracting us? And I say that, with Will's talk in the back of my mind, or actually very much at the forefront of my mind, there's no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. But it is good to question, is there something that is distracting us from coming to the Lord? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's shame, guilt, lack of boundaries, or or like I was sharing about earlier, Maybe just reprioritizing. Is it something really small like TV show? Uh, maybe it's our phone or social media, thought patterns. We can so easily get distracted. Or is it that you just don't know how? You hear the words come to him and you don't know what that means or what that looks like in your life. If that's you, please do reach out to one of us or to a friend or to a family member after the service. For some people, it might be that God isn't calling you to stop doing something. It might be uh, that he's asking you to do more of something, to sit in that quiet place longer. Maybe it's to Sabbath. I won't start talking about Sabbath, don't worry. For those of you that know me well, I could talk all night about Sabbath. Literally changed my life. Um... Maybe it's to step out of your comfort zone, to invite God into every decision and moment and conversation throughout your day. You might be having a conversation with someone and, and you just ask the Lord, Lord, what does that person need to hear from me today? The Holy Spirit lives in us and the Holy Spirit will be stirring things in each and every one of you because God knows you by name and he loves you. Maybe you've already heard from the Lord this evening. Maybe he's already sort of pointed something to you that he wants you to adapt, to change, to do or not to do. I wear this bracelet uh, because I'm not standing here tonight saying that I've got it all sorted. I, I definitely don't. But one of, um, one of my students actually gave this to me when I used to be a teacher. And it acts as a reminder, acts as a reminder to me. Because it's got two strands. And it's the reminder that there's two ways of doing things. 
I can either do it on my own, in my own strength, or I can do it with God. You might want to try something similar. So are we being more than conquerors? Are we really living in the land the way God has given Jesus one for us? Are we being conformed to Jesus' likeness by coming to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness and to intercede for us in accordance with the will of God? That's what it says in the, in the verses just before the passage we read this evening. As we come to communion in a moment, I want to just, um, I want to just finish with the words, the final words of Psalm 139, which I've quoted a bit tonight. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen.